The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everyone. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and I'm here uh, at Perkins, sitting eating dinner with the big quintessential male Jake Shepard and his ultimate wingman Russell Adafu Bland. So, um, how's it going, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Everything's going pretty good here. All right. So let's talk about how you guys got into the wrestling business. Um, I was talking to uh, Russell. He was saying how you guys met. He was like uh, married uh, to one of your cousins in your family. Uh, yeah. So Russell was actually married or he's engaged to be married mm-hmm. to my cousin, but he's been with her for what? How many years About now? 12 years. About 12 years. So they might as well just be married at this point. Uh, but basically, uh, I always knew they did like wrestling. But, you know, as I was training, I had a lot of people saying, oh, I'll come out of the show, I'll support you, I'll support you. And none of them really did. Uh, Russ, you know, was coming out of the shows, though, uh, when I went out to Middletown in 2015. And he was doing security. You know, I got him in on that. He was helping set up rings, tear them down, wherever we had a position to do so. And, uh, you know, basically, through him doing all that, uh, you know, we decided to go ahead and try to get him in as as a manager, uh, but you know, as far as our friendship, it actually goes back a little bit before that, and it's actually a really close, you know, deep subject here, but back in 2015, or 2014, rather, uh, it was around Christmas time, I got four tickets to the WWE show that was coming in town right after Christmas, and uh, I already had myself and my two blood brothers uh, that we had chose to go to the show, and I just needed that fourth you know, the fourth seat to go. And uh, I was talking to my mom and dad, and uh, they basically, you know, they were like, well, Russ likes wrestling, why don't you take him? You know, and I, it kind of flipped a switch in my mind to go, oh yeah, Russ does exist. Russ is somebody that likes wrestling. And, you know, so that Christmas, I, I didn't tell Russ, you know, anything. Uh, I ended up getting uh, everybody that was going a wrestling shirt. I got myself a Macho Man Randy Savage shirt. Yeah, all I knew is I was getting a Stone Cold t-shirt for Christmas, and that was enough for me. So you're a big, huge Stone Cold fan, Uh, Yeah, I love Stone Cold. And, uh, you know, basically, as we do all that, um, you know, he realizes he's going to the show. The very next day, my mom died. Uh, You know, the day after Christmas, 2014. And when my mom died, that was a real tough time, real, you know, just rough time even was one of the best ladies ever like that ever exist for real in my opinion and you know her and russ were pretty close so russ kind of stepped in at a time where my life was dark and he helped guide me back to the light and i feel like that's what i am trying to do with wrestling you know i'm trying to help him you know rise up to a better level you know and uh the ultimate wingman thing that's not a gimmick that's not a joke it's not a character. It's literally what he's done and continues to do on the road for me. While I'm the one driving, you know, to the towns and I'm, you know, trying to keep an eye on the road, he's the one man in the GPS. He's the one, you know, getting the drinks, you know, making sure that everything's Playing set the up. music. You got to have music on these long road trips from show to show, you know what I'm saying? 
he's definitely exposed me to a new brand of music. Uh, you know, just with his life experiences and mine, he's shown me a new genre of music that I never even knew about beforehand. Yeah, he's still trying to make me like country music. It's rubbing off a little bit. Classic country, not not <laughs> this modern day new stuff. I totally agree with you. Uh, country music from the 80s and early 90s was the best, and then it went downhill after the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say after the early 90s, uh, you know, pro like the only people I really like post early 90s is probably like Kenny Chesney, which he's not really country anymore. He's more just kind of like island, you know, which is what I like about him. Is he started off a strictly country artist who was singing through his nose, and when he realized he wasn't mm -hmm. selling tickets, he wasn't selling CDs that way, he decided. I'm going to go ahead and change. I'm going to morph. I'm going to evolve into something else. And, you know, if you notice, like, that No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problems album, that's when things really took off for the Kenny Chesney that we know now. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've seen some concerts. He's had some pretty wide little concerts. I'm still dying to see him in concert. Really? Yes. You got He puts on a hell of a show. So since uh, Jake got you into a country a little bit, uh, what artists do you like in country? Uh, I really couldn't put my finger on one. I'd probably say like I like some I honestly like some of the newer stuff like I like um what's his name Brantley Gilbert Brantley Gilbert yeah. yeah he's pretty cool now I listen to a little bit of country rap like I like the lax it's another um Upchurch yeah Upchurch they're pretty Gilbert. nice too I like them but a lot of people don't consider oh that's not country music and I'm like hey I'm not the authority on country <laughs> music so I like what I like. I like a lot of different kind of music. I listen to some of everything. Uh, you can see me listening to Frank Sinatra, 311. I mean, I listen to a lot of reggae because that's where some of my roots come from. A lot of people don't know that, but. <laughs> that's pretty cool as well. And speaking of your mother before she passed away, um, was she like a, a big wrestling fan? And then when um, you decided to become a pro wrestler, was she like your number one fan at your matches? Um, actually, I, I don't think she was necessarily a wrestling fan, but I do look back and realize that she put up with a lot of me talking wrestling. Uh, growing up, I remember, you know, watching like the Spring uh, spring Stampede. It was the Fatal 4-Way where, mm -hmm. you know, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, you know, DDP, and I think it was Sting were in the match for the heavyweight titles. The night DDP won the title. Yeah, I wore bad. that thing out on VHS, and every time I'd watch the match, I'd run in and tell her what was happening. And, I, you know, uh, so she really put up with it you know for a long portion of my life and then when I decided I was going to train you know the first thing she told me was I had to get a job to get a car so I'd be able to make it back and forth you know so she was realistic at least but she definitely supported me 100% and uh, she actually unfortunately uh, you know just due to the way that my career kind of started was only able to see one match ever and that was a match at DCW it was a match that I had the night before Easter 2015 or 2014 rather it, it was 2014 because I just started training in 2013 so the match in 2014 that she had uh, you know that she was able to see it was me versus Chiron I don't know if you know who Chiron yeah, is yeah I know who Chiron is yeah. war, but uh, he was actually very instrumental in my training and mm -hmm. you know he was there for me step by step taught me how to be a big guy in wrestling you know and uh, you know we ended up having a match my very first match but it's still the match I'm probably the most proud of because of the fact that my mom was able to be there second row cheering me on with you know, with one of my brothers my dad my grandma you know it was a strong starting point for my career and Chiron was 
a uh, total professional. You know, he understood it was my first match, and you know, he really did his job to help kind of you know make sure that I made it through. So, um, since you're a big guy and all that, was it uh, kind of hard for you starting off training of your size, or did you just like pick it up real quick? Honestly, it's kind of a 50-50 thing here. You know, the athletic portion of it, you know, as far as being able to move in the ring, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, too confident in myself or anything, mm-hmm. but I feel like I was a natural at that portion of it. Yeah, okay. I, you know, even today, I still move very well for a big guy in the ring. Oh, I mean, you do? I can, I can remember before we started hanging out where... We would have family get-togethers, and he would put on a whole wrestling match on the trampoline by himself. And I would sit there and watch. Like He didn't know I was watching and paying attention, but I was. And I was, it's crazy. He, I, I knew he was going to do it. I knew it. Like, from then, you know what I mean? Even till now, I still have faith in him. And like I told him, if I never would have got the opportunity to be a manager, I would still be his wingman. I'd still be there putting up chairs and setting up, tearing down at every show that he's a part of because that's more like my little brother than anything i know i get i can tell you guys have that uh great chemistry as well like you guys have been close for like many years and you can see that you know like you said earlier it's not fake you're really his you know best friend brother you know wingman you know and you can just see that a lot of people can see that that's what makes you guys so great you know in the ring so um, you started training over at Bone Crushers as well. Uh, yes, this this June it'll be six years that I've been you know from the first time I stepped in a uh, wrestling ring to train. Uh, you know, basically the way I came upon that was I was going to try to go to Team 3D down in Florida. Me and one of my best friends in high school, and you know even from elementary school. Uh, we had decided we wanted to be wrestlers, you know, all the, the entire time we were growing up. So as it got closer and closer, we wanted to go to Florida and train with somebody that was as reputable as the Dudley Boys, you know, Team 3D. And that ended up falling through. And then I started kind of doing some research on local things because I, I figured that, okay, there has to be somewhere that I can go to at least start training to get a starting point. So that way I'm not just constantly putting this off because life keeps getting in the way. Yeah. And that's where I found out about, like, Abyss and Carl Anderson and, you know, Jillian Hall and all these people that had been trained at the NWF. And I remember I YouTubed one of the matches. It was Danny Todd versus somebody. I don't remember who he was working with, unfortunately. But I saw that match, and I, it was enough to sell me on going to a show. So I ended up having to work around my work schedule at the time. They had a uh, Thanksgiving Eve show, like they always do. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to that, and then I went to the show in February in Fairfield, and it was there I actually talked to Danny Todd at the after party at Wings and Rings, and you know he basically told me, just go ahead and you know start coming to training, you know start training and being a uh, wrestler, you know, and that's kind of how I started getting into everything. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. This food's looking pretty good. This is a great interview. We're also eating as well, so which is cool. Our uh, server is. Uh, handing some uh, good food right now so it's it's kind of great you know talking and eating at the same time anything else uh no thank you all right so uh you uh, went to an nw oh that salad looks pretty good (laughs) 
All right. So um, you went to the uh, NWF show. That's what you were saying first. Uh, yep. So I went to the NWF show, a couple of them, you know, just to kind of get a feel for what I was getting into. And it was enough to sell me on, you know, deciding to go ahead and start training. Uh, you know, when I started training, like I said, I was moving pretty well in the ring. But, you know, there, that's the cardio was definitely a big issue, uh, you know, just as well as getting in the ring and moving. Yeah. And trying to, you know, stay caught up on everything. Uh, you know, moving well for a big guy doesn't necessarily mean there's not going to be problems. Yeah. Uh, it took me a while to be able to jump up to like the middle rope, you know, and the uh, rolling drills. It took me a while to be able to you know, figure out how to roll and get back, get up to my feet. Uh, there was also a lot of puking involved because uh, Bone Crushers at the time it was ran in a basically a warehouse setup, and during the summers it got hot, during the winters it got cold. If it was if it was one extreme outside. It was probably 10 degrees worse inside. Wow, I can see that as well. So, um, also, you probably learned a little bit from Roger Ruffin as well. Definitely, definitely learned a lot from Roger Ruffin. Uh, I I can't understate uh, how much I learned from him, you know, just from being a wrestler and, you know, being in the business. Uh, I learned a lot of good, some bad. You know, it's just kind of one of those things where you have to learn, evolve, and get an idea for how the you know business of professional wrestling works that's pretty good as well and um you um started off as a baby face i can never picture you being a baby face uh yeah so <laughs> my very first match i was a face against chiron uh you know chiron yeah big you're saying he, yeah he wanted to be the heel in that match and uh from there i ended up actually blowing my shoulder out in a training session against chiron I hit him with a big club to the back, blew my shoulder, blew my shoulder out, and ended up having to sit on the sidelines for a while. And then when I was on my way back, I realized that Roger probably wasn't going to book me with the way I was kind of seeing it at the time. Yeah. You know, granted, since then I heard that he was not too far off from booking me at the time, but you know, it just it didn't happen. So you know, there's no hard feelings there. I went to Middletown, one uh, CW, and. Uh, that's where they put me in as the working man. The working the man. Working man, Jake Shepard. Oh wow! And, Who came up with that, that idea? Uh, well, the idea was kind of sprung on me after a uh, promo where somebody, you know, looked at me and they decided that basically I could be the next, you know, quote, Dusty Rhodes for baby. You know, so they pitched the idea of you know what can we do to make you kind of like Dusty Rhodes. And I was actually listening to an Aaron Tippin song, Working Man's PhD, and that's where I was like, well, how about the working man? Not the working man, but the working man, with the apostrophe on the end of the end there. And that is what I ended up running with from, you know, the time I started, a couple weeks in at 1CW, to the time I went back to, you know, at the NWF and got put back on security. Okay, and also when you went back to uh, NWF as security, I know Russell was security as well. So, uh, Russell, what influenced you to be more than, you know, like, um, you know, his, you know, um, brother, best friend and all that? What got you to uh, start training in the ring t- uh, to move as a professional manager? Well, I always wanted to be one from the time I started watching wrestling. Like, I can remember, like, my grandmother, she was a huge wrestling fan. When they had Cincinnati Gardens, she was at every show she could get to. 
And because of that, I started going back and checking out videos and whatnot and watching old, old matches. Like, And I started watching the managers, and I felt like because of me being small, I never was a big dude, I felt like management would probably be the best thing for me. And I was pretty good at talking, so figured, yeah, I want to give that a shot. But at the time, I didn't have the avenue to get into it, so... I just stayed strictly a fan, but I always watch how all the managers move from Slick to Classy Freddie Blassie, uh, Bobby Heenan, probably my favorite manager of all time. I loved watching um, Jim Cornette. I, I was paying attention to the managers in the matches, like Mr. Fuji, you know what I'm saying, when other people were watching the actual matches. So it was something that I kind of leaned toward, you know what I'm saying, more so than wrestling. And just sticking around, I figured if I can at least get my foot in the door somewhere and show them that I'm willing to volunteer, willing to pay my dues, maybe sooner or later they'll see my personality through us working together and give me a shot, or they won't. Either way, if I got to keep putting up chairs and tearing down rings to be a part of this business, that's what I'm going to do because at the end of the day, whether I was a manager or not, I love the business, and just to be a part of it is a dream come true for me, honestly. That's pretty good as well. Um, so when you guys got together and started you know, working in, in the wrestling rings and all the promotions everywhere, when did the marquee players uh, become? Um, what's the origin story <clears throat> of the marquee players? That was more his brainchild. I mean, we had the... I forget who it was that asked us what our name was, but we had to come up with a name. I think it was right before we start working for Battle of the Border. Basically what happened, uh, just to kind of get everything straight here, uh, we came in to the Battle on the Border show that we wrestled Andy Stryker on. We didn't have a group name because it was just the two of us at the time, and we didn't think there was a name that needed to be done. Well, that night there was a uh, altercation with a security guard at the uh, after party, so we decided it might be a good idea to get a third guy to kind of watch security for us, you know, because I wasn't sold completely at the time that that security guard, who shall remain nameless, yeah. you know, uh, I wasn't sold that he was actually going to be security for me, which has since been, you know, squashed. It's been taken care of. He's actually doing a phenomenal job as a security guard at Battle on the Border to this day. Uh, at least, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, I concur. He's a so, good dude. when we introduced Mr. Slade, that's when Denim said, well, what's your guys' group name? And we pitched a couple different ideas around, and we, you know, had a couple, probably top three, you know, and then out of nowhere, I, I Googled Quintessential, and then I just kind of hit kept hitting synonyms, you know, for each word until eventually it came across marquee. And that's where the light went off, the marquee players. That's pretty good. And so from there you went to the quintessential male, Jake Shepard. When did you add the male part to it? Um, I was actually the quintessential male, uh, you know, before uh, the marquee players even. That was actually something that happened yeah. the first match out of the NWF. As, in the NWF I was wrestling as the big swinger. Okay. And then... When I decided to leave there, I knew that I had to do come up with a name. I had to, you know, just f do something to 
add to you know just my regular name Jake Shepard because you know how many people are going to buy a ticket you know for a guy named Jake Shepard? <laughs> yeah, sounds like a country singer name too. <laughs> yeah, you know. So then I decided, you know, basically what avenue I wanted to try to go down. And when I decided the avenue, when we decided that he was going to be the ultimate wingman, mm-hmm. as he's always been in the car rides, mm-hmm. that's when I decided, okay, I'll be the quintessential male. Okay, that's pretty good. I was wondering how that came to be. Um, also, um, how'd you come up with Birdland in the caca? Right. Well, once we figured out the ultimate wingman thing, because I was trying to set myself apart from other managers, because I felt like... I could be more than just a manager and do more, and obviously I do more as a manager, so I'm like, yeah, that'll work, and the call was more like a bird call. It's something that we've been doing from back when I was a kid, getting somebody's attention, loud noise, and they hear you holler, and they, you know what I'm saying, come or whatever, like, in Birdland, it just was the wingman, Birds, you know what I'm saying? That association. Then Birdland is also a well-known jazz club. And I love jazz music. Oh, cool. You know what I'm saying? It, I think, it, I believe it was up in New York, but this was a long time ago before I came around. But then, too, I always looked at it. The male bird was the prettiest bird. The females always were like brown. They blend in. Yeah, with they the were always the ugly ones. So, like. Like the peacocks. <laughs> I'm a pretty good-looking guy, so I figured, hey, <laughs> I'm from Birdland, baby. Like, I'm fly. So that's pretty much what happened. It was kind of like evolving on car trips. we toss stuff back and forth mm-hmm. between each other and say yay or nay or, oh, that's money. So it pretty much went like that. And real quick, just to go back to the cacao, you know, the cacao. Obviously, Russ has the best cacao. In the business, I have the second best. But one day we were leaving a Mexican restaurant oh. in Fairfield. <laughs> Slick Rick. Slick Rick. No, that's Slick Rick. Rolls his window down from the main road. On Winton Road. Winton Road. He rolls his window down and lets out the loudest and third best cacao <laughs> that I've ever heard in my life. Slick Rick, huh? Yeah. Rick Toms. Wow. <laughs> the man the, can do a lot of things. That's and one of the big homies. is one. I'm going to have to make him do that. I'm going to have to record him doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Um, speaking of, you know, of your uh, character as well, you have a lot of canes, um, some great classy looking canes. What decided you to start collecting different types of canes? Well, I always saw that Every other manager had some kind of tool that they brought out to the ring with them to, like, quote-unquote cheat or whatever. And also, it kind of brings attention, which, you know what I'm saying, is what you're trying to do is bring attention to you and who you're managing. So I didn't really see a lot of managers carrying canes. So I figured, hey, I start carrying a cane. The first cane I got was just a plain cane. I start thinking I'm the ultimate wingman. I'm from Birdland, so why not get canes with birds on? Nobody's doing that. Nobody. I haven't seen it anywhere. So if you see anybody carrying a cane, especially with a bird on it, I'll send it right to you. <laughs> and if they start naming the canes, 
then we then we got a really hey, big cause, problem. Because the one I brung today is PD the Parrot. You know what I'm saying? We also I got, have Ernie the Eagle. Yeah, and we got Phil the Flamingo on the way. On He's the way. on order. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to see that one. That's going to be pretty cool. So, um, how'd you guys become part of? Um, LSC Legends of the Squared Circle and also tell me a little bit about the golden opportunity case you guys have been carrying uh-huh. around. Honestly, uh, the way we got into LSC, uh, I was actually almost booked for a show back before I went to the NWF again. Mm-hmm. In fact, they had actually almost put my name out there, you know, to be on the show, but I ended up having to not, you know, do that because of the way that Roger had it set up at the NWF at the time. So when I went to the Battle on the Border locker room and there was Big T sitting there and, you know, there was Ledbetter across the room yeah. and a couple other LSC guys, I just sat down next to Big T and I told him, you know, hey, I'm available to start working for you guys. And, uh, you know, they went ahead and double-checked with, you know, uh, the NWF from what I was told just to make sure that it would be okay, you know. And they went ahead and, you know, started bringing me in, so... I gotta say, I appreciate Roger for not, you know, throwing a fit or anything that I was leaving his territory to go to another one that wasn't that far away. Um, and then I appreciate, you know, Big T and Ledbetter for bringing me in and, you know, really letting us kind of develop ourselves there. Uh, you know, that's, they run every month. Uh, so it's one of the places that we really, you know, work on developing ourselves and trying to be that much better. Yeah, they've definitely played a big part in us evolving our characters and becoming better. Like, we sit under the learning tree every chance we get. So what's some of your guys' memorable moments and feuds over at LSC? Over at LSC, I'd say the most memorable moment thus far would have to be not only seeing Ross in his first, excuse me, his first tag match, it would also be that same night seeing Russ hide under the ring. Oh, you forgot a one detail about that first tag match. You got the pen. I won. He got the pen. I won. So that was your first match pinning as a wrestler. Hooks needed my help. So you guys were working <laughs> with Hooks. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've actually had a pretty, I feel like it's been pretty successful, all things considered, uh, rivalry with Hooks at LSC. Uh, unfortunately, our first match back in June it was a singles match. I actually uh, herniated two discs in my lower back uh, during that match. You know, I, it was a simple move. I did an arm breaker on him where I went to my butt. And when I did, I just felt my lower back, you know, crack, pop. You know, I felt everything. Watching the match back as I stand up, I see myself kind of, you know, lose control of my right leg for a second before I get it back. I finished the match, and then, uh, you know, the following week I actually wrestled uh, Amos at Battle on the Border before I found out how serious the injury actually was, but that's kept me on the shelf for a good six months, you know. Um, So the angle, or, you know, the rivalry with Hooks has been hard to, you know, manage, but we've managed to be able to do that. So when you were um, doing the angle of Hooks, because you know how... The um, heavy metal, you know, Viking Hooks likes to get bloody and hardcore. Um, did you guys go into like a straight hardcore match? Was there blood involved? Uh, not yet. There's not been a hardcore match with him as of yet. Uh, no blood. Um, it's not something I'd be opposed to doing, you know, a hardcore match with him. But, uh, you know, I think it would have to be the right time, the right place, and, uh, you know, the right promotion 
for me to go ahead and do that? Yeah, because I went to my first LSC show, the last one where you guys were wrestling, and um, um, Russell, you were carrying uh, the Golden Opportunity case. Can you tell me what that is, the Golden Opportunity? Yeah. Let's see, to finish up Jake's story, okay. after I randomly got put with hooks to tag with him to make it to the Battle Royal in order to win the Golden Opportunity, I had to pin another guy. Okay. I pinned him, got the win, turned around, came back out for the match. As soon as I stepped in the ring, didn't even get a chance. As soon as I stepped in the ring, I did a little bit of stretching just to get ready. Hook spears me. Oh, that had to hurt getting speared by so, hooks. Yeah, definitely. Like, I was laid out for a while, so everybody forgot about me until the very end. Should I tell them how I got it off? <laughs> Just when Hooks thought he had it won, that's when I may or may not have cuckooed. And the wingman, well, wingman, what did you do? I popped back up. Hooks was celebrating because he forgot about me. He was standing on the ropes. I ran up on him, gave him the old heave-ho about it to rain, got the golden opportunity. And you should have seen the resiliency in my brother's eyes. He, he actually, he won the golden opportunity, you know, and uh, that means that at this point we have a golden opportunity at any championship that we so desire. And we've put them on warning that anybody with a belt is on our radar. Hardcore, tag, commonwealth, heavyweight, all of them, they're on our radar. And they're all just beeping away right now, and it's, it's up to us to decide when we and who we want to cash in on. Oh, that's pretty cool as well. And then when I went to my first LSC show, um, I met your brother who was sitting in the audience, and that was his first ever wrestling show as well. Yep. My brother Sean, something else. He makes all our shirts, by the way. Oh, mm -hmm. sweet. So, yeah, that's that's our shirt designer. But he fell in love with where He's not a fan of wrestling like I am, but he's fell in love with indie wrestling. He's even said out of his mouth, and I quote, I'll be at every show that I can make it to that you guys are a part of because y'all made me like wrestling. That's pretty good, too. Um, I got a question for you. Since you're a manager, Russell, um, there's not really that many managers today in the world of pro wrestling. Um, what do you think about that? There's not really that many. Well, even before I started managing, that was another thing that made me want to do it because I noticed that a part of wrestling that I loved watching growing up was slowly dying away. Nobody was playing, and I feel like the manager plays a huge role in a match. He can make it go either way. And just the fact of nobody doing that and me being the type of person I am, okay, nobody's doing that, let me go do it. Because, you know what I'm saying, I, I'm kind of different, I'm a little weird like that. But it definitely was one of those things where me and him used to watch wrestling together. And I'm like, why is the only manager Paul Heyman? I can tell you there were more stories than I can count of times where we're sitting there watching wrestling. And he's going, why is Heyman the only manager? Why, why is there nobody else out there managing anybody? Oh, you got Heyman and Lana. Who else is managing? And, you know, at the time, nobody else was doing it on that mainstream level. 
and he wasn't that into indie wrestling because it was still early on in our you know friendship and before he really got into the thick of things. Uh, since then, you know, I've exposed him to a lot of different managers that are you know doing things. Uh, you know, granted, there's not a whole lot, but there's still you know a few quality managers that are out there. You know, besides my wingman. That's pretty good as well. Um, you guys love playing heels as well, and it seems like in today's indie wrestling, there's not really that many heels. It seems like everybody else wants to play the face or something else. Oh, it's, I feel like it's easy to play the face. Like you just, it's. I feel like maybe it's a little more work to be a heel because you gotta have a little bit tougher skin because you take a lot of blowback from the audience especially the hardcore fans that really get into it like receive a lot of blowback so you got to be ready for that and the fact that they're gonna boo you when you come out there which to me i like it because them booing me means that i'm doing my job i i don't mind being the baby face i don't mind getting cheered for that's nice but i feel like I, I just want to be able to not be my normal self while I'm out there. Like, average, everyday me gets cheered everywhere, you know, not to sound yeah. braggadocious, but, you know, nobody's booing you in your normal, everyday, yeah. you know, day-to-day life, you know? Uh, so that time of me being able to be out there in the ring, that's my time to be able to blow off steam, but it's also my time to be able to, you know, make people hate me like, and you know be able to feel that emotion and just know that I'm connecting with somebody. To me it's therapeutic like it it, help, it makes me feel good as well as I think it makes the fans feel good because they have stress and hostilities they get to let it out on us whatever they whatever they're mad at it could be a bad day at work a bad week or they could be mad at their friend. Here we come. Boo we hate them because they say this or they say that or because they wear flashy clothes and they wear it, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like one of those things where you know you're helping release somebody's stress. Yeah, like the ultimate goal while I'm out there, uh, you know, for it doesn't matter how long I'm going to be out there, whether it's five minutes, 15, a half hour, however long they need me to be out there. My goal is to be able to be such a obnoxious jerk that it takes your mind off of whatever's going on in your personal life. So, you know, for the average, you know, mom and dad, you know, maybe it's the boss was on them all week at the 40-hour job and, you know, they just, they want to go in there and strangle that, you know, manager, but instead they get to yell stuff at me and see me get beat up at the end of the night and it helps them not go in and strangle their manager, you know, because they were able to get that out, that release, you know, at the show. Uh, You know, for the kids, you know, maybe school's not going so great or maybe you know they can't make friends or something and you know they're able to at least take their mind off of that for the you know time frame that I'm out there and that's what wrestling did for me as a kid and a teenager and even a young adult you know it's it's always made me forget about the negatives for that you know story you know a great match is a great match and it's always going to be there for you and you know, that's why we always make sure that we play to the crowd and we always make sure that we interact with them, you know. Sometimes people just want to boo the bad guy. It's good versus evil, and it is what it is, so naturally, I mean, like me growing up, 
I liked heels. I didn't realize that at first, but I started looking back at most of the wrestlers that I enjoyed watching, and they were all pretty much bad guys. And I, I wanted to see him come. Like, one of my favorite wrestlers, and I feel like he's so underrated, was Bad News Brown. Some folks have actually said that uh, Russ may be related to him <laughs> somewhere down the line. Yeah, it's a side-by-side a picture. Fa- a Facebook post. It's a side-by-side picture floating around on Facebook. That'd be pretty interesting as well. Um, let's talk about Battle on the Border as well. Um, one question is, what's it like working for Denim Blevins? And um, you guys always never end up getting that right break. And, and it seems like that, you know, like Fallen or Amos... He's, they always seem like they're a pain in your asses. Yeah. Uh, Fallen Namus, Ryan Michaels. They're all haters. They're, they're all haters. They've all been a major thorn in our side, or as you would say, a pain in our ass. And I think that we've done something about that at the last show when mm-hmm. we came out to watch the match. We were just That's trying to scout competition. Uh-huh. I can't help it if Eric Fallen can't stay focused right. on the task you're at hand. Prof- you're, you're a professional athlete. You knew you had a fat fight in the ring. We didn't have anything to do with that. We just came out uh-huh. to watch just I, like I, everybody I know else. I a little chunky, but he's not fat. Come on, man. You said he had a fat <laughs> fight in the ring? Oh, you're talking not fat. Cisco Silver. Hey, Cisco's the <laughs> homie. Squad. Squad. Cisco is the homie, for real. Like, I love Cisco. He's a great young talent. Um, every time I've seen him wrestle, it seems like he gets better and better each time. Absolutely. He's definitely uh, setting the wrestling world on fire up in uh, the northern part of Ohio. I'm excited to see where his career goes, and I hope that our paths cross. So and what, what's it also like to work with uh, Brandon Xavier as well? Oh, that is so fun. He's a wealth of knowledge, too. Like We've been blessed to be able to work with not only good guys but guys that have been around and in the game for a long time and that are able to help school us and take us to the next level and keep evolving hey that's pretty good as well um also um so you guys looking forward to to seeing uh the new tag team titles when denim gets them over bound the border in the whole tournament what do you guys what are your guys's predictions in the tournament to be the first ever bound on the border tag team champs you realize you're talking to somebody that's in the tag team tournament, right? right? And you realize yes. you're talking to somebody that manages the tag team that's in the tag team tournament. Like, well, who you think? The guys you're talking to right now. I don't see Gee, you talking think, to any other tag team. I think IHOP might uh, stand a chance of getting knocked out by the marquee players. They better hop on. That's what they better do. Go make some pancakes or something. And LSD, they're just Lenny and Lammy. I, I, I love them both, but... They're too hopped up on Skittles to be in the ring with well-oiled athletes such as the marquee players. Yeah, I don't understand how they're in it. I don't understand how they beat the Death Threat Army. I did not see the match. I don't know what banana peel the Death Threat Army may have slipped on. I feel like it was luck. Although, you know what? LSD might be better than the Death Threat Army. We don't know. We don't know. But the 5MW... I think that uh, if we get in the ring with them, we're going to throw them up and throw them right down out of the tournament. Are we talking root beer? I didn't know root beer was in the tournament, man. You said A&W? No, no, 5MW, the, the five most wanted. Oh, man. You, See, you know, I the guys that throw their fives up all the time? Guys do. But why do they throw it down? I, I'm not 100% sure on that, actually. I really don't know. Maybe I'll ask one of them when I see them. 
<laughs> I like that. Um, also, let's talk about Slade. Um, how did he become part of the marquee players and your uh, personal security guard? And how come he never talks? I knew him from back in the uh, NWF. He was doing security the same time I was doing my second stint on security. That's around the time I met him, too. Yeah, you met him around that same time. Doing security. And, you know, basically, like I said, it was that initial mm-hmm. Harrison show that we had where there was a bit of a issue that, you know, we felt like we needed somebody else to kind of come in and keep an extra eye, you know, just to kind of help us. Then we were kind of getting a little extra heat from a handful of fans at the time, so... Yeah, yeah, there was a couple couple few fans that were giving us some extra heat, you know, talking extra, you know, hard, so we were like, well, we'll at least set up a line of defense, so that way if they break through that, mm-hmm. all bets are off. So, have you guys ever heard him talk? Does he ever talk? Uh, now that, uh... It's up for debate, you know, on whether or not he actually talks. I, I will say that... He's real fluent in sign language. His sign language is on par. And, and he can write real good. He, he's definitely very a, a very eloquent writer, you know. That's pretty good as well. And you guys have a number one fan that follows you everywhere, too. Uh, tell us about Jordan. Jordan's a great dude. Yeah, that's a little homie, man. We got a lot of love for dude. He he actually uh, was the first ever marquee player shirt that was sold to anybody but one of us. Yeah, he's an honorary marquee player, first and class flyer, if you ask me. He's definitely a dedicated wrestling fan. He you know definitely pays attention to it. He keeps up on it. And he's actually a pretty funny dude. If he yeah. decided to, uh, you know, become a wrestler, I, I could see him possibly having a pretty good, pretty good career. I mean, he even sticks around and helps out with what he can, putting up chairs or tearing down the ring if needed. Like he volunteers, he shows up early. Like he's a pretty impressive kid, if you ask me. I'm also um, when your guys are not, you know, wrestling and outside the ring. What do you guys enjoy doing? Um, I know you guys, you know, like to listen to music and country music and all that. What's some of the other fun stuff you guys enjoy? We go to shows. Like, we go around the different shows. Like, he took me to my first Ring of Honor show, which was awesome. I got to see Alberto Patron wrestle. Wasn't he the one that almost landed in my lap? No, it was uh, somebody from one of the other matches. I, it, I think it was... Uh might have been Cedric Alexander that was working there at the time. I can't remember. I know it was somebody from that time frame. Uh, but I remember I caught them because you know because my security instincts kicked in when they came flying over the guardrail into the third row. Yeah, I was sitting there like a deer in the headlights because it was like one of <laughs> my first shows. And I was just so into the action that I didn't realize that a wrestler was about to come flying at me. And... Jake pretty much saved me from getting smashed. And I'm pretty sure the wrestler, if I remember right, actually thanked me for making sure he landed safely and softly on the ground as, as much as possible. That's pretty good. I, I wish I could have saw that. That had to have been, like, epic for Russell. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> so um, where can everybody find you guys on social media if they want to follow you and see what the marquee players are going to be doing next? I'm on Instagram as bigjake 513 and then, obviously, Facebook, Jake Shepard, Russell Actiful Bland is his you know, personal page. And then we also have the like page, which is the quintessential male and the ultimate wingman. So check us out, definitely. 
You see a lot of fly stuff on there. All right. Almost cussed. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for uh, taking your time to come out, have dinner with me here at Perkins, and uh, share your story how you guys got into uh, pro wrestling. Yeah, we definitely have to do it again. It's still a lot of stuff you don't know about us. We might not tell you everything, but we'll give you a I little I can definitely something. see a part two in the near future. <laughs> we're, uh, we're developing day by day, so, you know, of course, next time we happen to be able to sit down with you, we might have uh, better stories. You know, we might have other stories we can tell. Who knows? Maybe. We might let you see what it's like to be a marquee player for the night. <laughs> oh, I'd be shocked. I guess <laughs> that'd be shocked for me. But like I said, thank you guys so much. Not a problem. Thank you. For, You're very uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for having us, and thanks for being so supportive of the uh, indie shows. Hey, no problem. And everybody else, uh, thank you for listening. You can follow me at Spreaker.com. Um, you can follow me at Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, PodcastCity.net. Um, you can follow me at WrestlePopcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and on Twitter at WPopcast1, and at Facebook at WrestlePopcast. Everybody have a great evening. Boom, boom. Cabana. Boom, boom. Cabana. Boom, boom. Cole Cabana, it's Cole Cabana. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit the marks, which is weird because you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my guest tonight is Billy Starks. How's it going, Billy? Great. So, how are you feeling? And so, this is your very first podcast. Yeah, this is my very first podcast. So, um, are you a little nervous? Are you excited or what? A little nervous because it's weird talking, but like, I'm going to see how it goes. Hey, that's the way to go. Um, So, uh, growing up, um, were you a huge wrestling fan? Yes, I am a very huge wrestling fan. Um, I think it was around five when I first started wrestling, um, first started watching wrestling, and I just fell in love with it. That's pretty good. Um, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? I cannot lie. My favorite wrestler has to be Bailey. Like, I just love her energy, and like I've seen her so many times live, and it was just I loved her, like, so much. So, um, have you ever got a chance to meet Bailey? I have uh, met her multiple times. One time at the Arnold Classic, and she's given me one of her headbands. I've got to meet her at a meet-and-greet table. It's just, I've loved every time I met her. She's, like, the nicest person ever. So, was she one of the ones that influenced you to get in the pro wrestling business? Most definitely. Like, she was so kind when I met her. She made me feel so happy when I got to see her wrestle. And I just enjoyed seeing her wrestle. And I want people to enjoy seeing me wrestle as much as I got to see. That's pretty good. So what do you think about her being uh, part of the uh, WWE Women's Tag Champs with uh, Sasha Banks? I think it's great. I love her and Sasha as a tag team. And um, at the Arnold Classic, I got to see her versus Sasha, and it was just amazing to see them both wrestle, and them now are just as amazing, and they're getting better and better, and they're still so entertaining, and they're, like, changing the woman wrestling, 
and it's great to see there's women tag teams now. Oh, I totally agree with you. I think it's a great thing as well. So uh, before you became a pro wrestler, you were a, a wrestling uh, photographer as well, taking pictures of wrestlers in the ring as well. What got your interest in uh, photography? So my dad, Mouse Wrestling Adventures, um, he first did photography. And then when he got a new camera, he gave me his camera. And he's like, here, go take pictures, go have fun, go talk to people. So it was basically, I got handed a camera one day and it was like, okay, guess I'll go take pictures and talk to these great wrestlers and just get a great experience from it. Yeah, um, you did an awesome photo of uh, Brian Alvarez, which went viral on Twitter. Can you tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) It was, all I can say is just, it was just me taking pictures and then at a random it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And people just started liking and sharing it and it just became viral. Yeah, uh, that picture is pretty good. Um, di- um, that's where uh, Brian got like slapped pretty hard. Is that right? Yeah, it was kind. Oh, uh, it was brutal. I bet it was as well. And then since you've um, were taking pictures of other wrestlers, um, you took a picture of Mance Warner and Ethan Page, and those photos became trading cards. So I took the pi- picture of Ethan Page, but. Um, Mouth took the picture of Mance Warner. Okay, that's pretty good. So what do you think about your guys' pictures being trading cards? I think it's amazing, and they look so cool. And I got to get my picture of the trading card signed by Ethan. It was, it just, I'm shocked that so many people are like, oh, this is so cool. Let's print it out and make it into something a bunch of people can have. That's pretty good, this too. And I've also seen you pose in the picture uh, imitating Marco Stunt. So you must be a big Marco <laughs> Stunt fan. Yeah, I love Marco. I've got to talk to him at lunch. And I got to see him recently at Making Towns and SCI. And I love Marco Death. He's so nice. And I love making fun of him. I bet you do. He probably likes making fun of you as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Since you were like taking pictures with your dad of all the wrestlers at different promotions as well, what got you um, into pro wrestling from photography? What decided you to think, you know, something I've, you know, I've liked taking pictures, but I would love to get in a ring and wrestle some wrestlers. What um, got you into uh, training to become a pro wrestler? So, like, I've always wanted to be a wrestler, and then I did photography, and I was meeting all these amazing people, and one of these amazing people were um, Madman Pondo, who runs Girl Fight currently, and he introduced me to Tuta, who was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have Brian's house, and they're going to start training people, and then I came for a class, and I was only supposed to watch, and then they were like, hey, do you want to get in the ring? And I just never left. That's pretty good. Um, how long did you train before you got into your uh, first wrestling match with Amazing Maria? So I started training May and then had my first match in October. 
So what was that like to get in a ring with Amazing Maria? Um, she's a well-known uh, female wrestler in the indies as well and also known for her hardcore style as well, as well. So what was it like getting in a ring with Amazing Maria and did you learn a lot from her? I learned so much from Maria. She's taught me so much and is one of the nicest people I've met through wrestling. And she's helped me a lot and she's helped a lot with teaching me how to take care of myself in the ring and how to present character and I just love working with Maria. She's one of the nicest people and she really takes care of all the young girls she can. That's pretty good as well. Since you trained over at Grindhouse Pro, um, you also got in a ring with another great wrestling talent, uh, Charlie Cruel. Um, tell us a little bit about your chemistry with Charlie and now you guys are uh, feuding now. How did that all come? It just became of we were the only two gir- girls there, so <laughs> it just became I want to be friends with you, and it turned out to be oh well, you don't like me very much. Um, guess we're gonna have to sell this in the ring, and then she wants to play dirty, but I'm gonna find a way to win. Oh really? So, so what was it like to get in into the ring with her? Uh, um, did she like give you the run for your money, or did you like uh, show her who was the better wrestler? She is a very good wrestler, and she did give me a run for my money. But to be true, um, I believe that I could beat her any day of the week if she doesn't want to pull all these tricks out of her bag and be a cheater. But in the end. I'm going to win no matter what she does. Hey, that's a good attitude to have. And if Charlie, if you're listening to this, be careful. Billy's going to come after you. <laughs> so you better uh, be prepared for Billy Starks. Um, I've seen um, you only been in the you know wrestling business for like about a year. And I've seen some matches um, you've been in. Um, you've had a few uh, solid crisp matches and stuff. And I mean, you're just on fire. I mean, I have a feeling you're going to be moving up in the uh, indie ranks as well. You just have that persona in that uh, style of wrestling. I still am not happy with how I'm performing. I really want to get better than what I am. I believe like I have the energy, but I just don't know how I want to put things together yet. Everybody's telling me I'm doing good, but I feel like I can still do better than what I'm at in the moment. So um, you want to do a little bit better. What do you want to do better to improve your performance in the ring? I just want to be able to interact and entertain the crowd more and more to where I'm catching people's attention, but it's not even there. I want people to go home and be like, oh, I love this woman wrestler. Who was she? How can I see her again? How can I be more involved? How am I going to make people remember me? Yeah, and for people who are not familiar with you, uh, tell us all about Billy Starks. What's what's all about her? Basically, I'm just a crazy little girl that got into wrestling and I enjoy biting people. <laughs> hey, that's a good attitude too. You're probably not afraid to get in the ring with some men wrestlers as well. Um, actually, coming up March 5th, there's Gender War show where I get to go against my good old friend Johnson Wolf. Really? So, um, is this your first time wrestling Jonathan Wolf, or have you guys been in a ring before? Um, I have not gotten in the ring with Jonathan Wolf yet. This will be my first time getting to wrestle him, and I'm so excited. And it's pretty good as well. So, 
Um, how did that become to be uh, you getting in the ring with Jonathan Wolf? Did he call you out or did you challenge him? To be honest, the promoters just were like, um, what could we do? And it ended up me and Jonathan both being members of IFHY. And um, IFHY usually does the thing where Wolf gets to um, wrestle each member and see if they can prove their worth to be a member of IFHY. And I have yet not had a match with Wolf, so... I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'd be a pretty good match as well. And now let's talk about a favorite wrestler of yours uh, that you were in the ring with and you look up to her as well. Let's talk a little bit about Samantha Heights. Oh, my God. I love Samantha. So I got to meet Sam at a wrestling show. um, And so Mouse introduced me because he met her up in Rockstar and I haven't got the pleasure to go to Rockstar yet, she comes down and I'm helping her with merch and we just connected right off the bat and I just love her till this day and she is one of the greatest women wrestlers I get to see and I go to Rockstar as much as possible on the first Friday of each month and I love seeing her wrestle, she's the nicest person in the world and she's trying to help me get better and better. And I can't wait to wrestle her February 23rd again because I loved the first match we had and I can't wait to get in the ring with her again because she's one of my like favorite people to wrestle. So when you uh, finally got into the ring with uh, Samantha Heights for the first time, what was that like for you and what were you feeling at the time You going up against uh, someone you really you know, admire in the wrestling business? I was so excited and so nervous because I was so nervous I was going to mess up, I'm going to mess up something, I'm going to get scared, I'm going to get lost, and then she ended up taking so much care of me, but still ended up beating my butt, (laughs) she loves me, but will hit me, but I'm not afraid to hit back, and I loved her, it was so exciting, and it, in the end, it paid off so well, it was so entertaining for me to watch, and it was just a great match, and I love that match to this day. That's pretty good too, and and I bet you're even um, so pumped up to take Samantha again in the ring again. I know you are because Samantha is such a great talent in the ring as well. Um, you've wrestled uh, a bunch of uh, promotions all over. Um, what was some of your favorite promotions you liked uh, wrestling at? Um, I love working at Grindhouse Pro Wrestling every Sunday. Um, I got the pleasure to work at um, New Wave. And it was such a great experience. I got to wrestle 2D there. Um, I hope to be back soon. And it was just a great experience. The crowd there was great. And, like, the setup of everything was amazing. Um, it's just I enjoy wrestling so much. And then Girl Fight has been an amazing opportunity for me and the great girls that have been through there and girls that are still there. And everybody there has been great. I've loved making towns this year. I can't wait to go back there again. The entire energy of that crowd, the entire people there, it's just so great. I bet it is. I need to uh, check out Girl Fight Wrestling myself. Haven't got a chance to go up there. I heard it's you know a great show and a talented roster, which I totally agree with you with as well. And you were recently at Girl Fight, and you were in a match with uh, Randy West. Um, tell us a little bit about that, you and Randy West. 
wrestling, Randy, but she got me an in with the hot sauce bottle that I did not see her pour in her kick pad and ended up biting her and got hot sauce all in my mouth, could not breathe, and no one was giving me water, so I stole a water bottle out of the crowd, and I loved the match, but my mouth was on fire, because she told me, oh, it's just mild, I think a bite of it is burning hot, and it's like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that had to been crazy getting hit by that by Randy West. That, that had to been a trip as well. Um, you also worked with uh, Alice Crowley as well, and you also tagged with her. Tell me a little bit about your chemistry with Alice Crowley. I love Alice. Every time I get to see her, I give her like the biggest hug in the world. She is one of the nicest people I've met. I just met her this year, but she's like one of these people I've just loved and she just recently started working um I'm going to be wrestling her at fight or die which I'm so excited for and uh, I just love her so much and she's one of like she can wrestle so well and she's so new and I just can't wait for her to get like a giant opportunity because she is so good Oh, that's pretty good as well. I'll have to uh, look into her uh, and find out who she is. I'm not real familiar with her, but I'll, I'll definitely have to look that as well. Um, let's talk about uh, a good friend of ours, Sean Patrick O'Brien. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, Sean Patrick O'Brien. Sean is a mess. <laughs> Everybody brings him up, and <laughs> I love Sean, but he's a mess. He's a really good rep. He can, knows what he's doing in the ring, but... Sean is all over the place, to be honest. I know. He's working 12 different promotions um, at different times as well. He's a hardworking professional referee. So what do you think of his man bun? I feel like I can pull up better buns than he ever could, to be honest. He's Really? You say you can have a better man bun than uh, Sean Patrick O'Brien, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, one time you should uh, um, see Sean Patrick O'Brien the next time around and uh, have a man bun, and you guys should like take pictures and have a competition and have people vote on it and see who has the better man bun. I'm totally down to do that. <laughs> I would so pay to see that. That would be so wild. So um, when you're not in the wrestling ring, what does Billy Starks enjoy outside the ring? Um, what are some of your interests? What do you enjoy doing when you're not in the wrestling ring? I love sleeping, which I never get to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy painting and I love doing like just artwork. I get very bored. I love doing makeup. Everybody's like, oh, why do you never wear makeup after you're outside of wrestling? I just sit at home and do my makeup randomly, and everybody's like, why don't you do that every day? And I'm like, because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny as well. So, Billy, where do you see yourself uh, this year in 2019? I just hope to be traveling and enjoying wrestling. I just want to be better and get to wrestle some more people. So, of all the great talent out there, who are some of the wrestlers out in the uh, pro wrestling business um, you would love to get in a ring with? There's so many people. I would love to get in the ring with Sue Young. I've got to see her wrestle so many times, and I like she's like my wrestling mother. That is like one of my dream matches. 
matches to have. Hey, that'd be pretty good. She's a great talent. Maybe sometime in the future, you know, who knows? Maybe you uh, will get your chance as well, um, which would be pretty good. This, you know, well, but, um, I'm tongue tied. <laughs> but this is fun. Um, I got another question for you, too. Um, I always ask this to my guests. Um, if you can change anything about pro wrestling and how fans perceive it, what would you change and why? That we actually can get hurt. A lot of fans are like, oh, this is fake. It's all safe. It's really not. It's, like, very dangerous for us, and we're putting our bodies on the line. And a lot of people find, like, each chance to say it's fake. It's fake. When we're really getting hit out there. And I totally believe that as well. So, um, when you became a wrestler, um, how supportive was your dad when you found out that you wanted to be a wrestler? He was very supportive of it. He was the one who introduced me to Pondo at first, so it's all his fault that I'm into wrestling, so... So, uh, did your uh, dad come out and uh, see you wrestle as well? Um, yeah, he takes pictures at my matches and will sit in the crowd and watch me. Hey, that's pretty good as well. Um, so, uh, was your father a big wrestling fan as well, like growing up? Yeah, so he was the one who introduced me into wrestling. We just sit on the couch and watch wrestling on every Monday night. That's pretty good. So, um, did you, um, have you have a memorable moment with your dad uh, watching pro wrestling, like watching a certain match or, you know, going to an event? Any memorable moments uh, um, sharing some uh, wrestling with your father? Um, there is, wrestling has been around for so long. There's so many memories. I really enjoyed the Arnold Classic, the first one we ever went to. It just seeing it, the energy of everything, and we spent so much time that day. We were exhausted, but we were having so much fun. We got to see, meet so many, many, so many people, and it was just a great experience. Hey, that's pretty good as well. That's great to you know have a family member uh, share wrestling with you, and then seeing uh, you know his own kid, you know, getting in the uh, wrestling business and wrestling. I, I, I can tell he's probably a very proud father. which is pretty awesome as well. So where can everybody find you on social media if they want to follow you? I'm literally Billy Starks on all social medias, B-I-L-L-I-E, um, sometimes the underscore S-T-A-R-K-Z. All right. So um, that's everywhere, like on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, I'm everywhere. I have to keep all the social media, keep everybody informed. <laughs> That's right. Um, do you also have a, a website where uh, people can get your uh, merchandise as well? Um, yes, I have a merch on Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh, pretty good. That's pretty cool. I've seen a couple of your t-shirts, and they look pretty slick. Yeah, gotta keep the merch gang up. It's I love all my t-shirts, and I believe like um, that. Everybody should get my t-shirts. Just a heads up. I'm so proud that my merch is not just simple and just having fun with it. And it's pretty good as well. Um, so when you're wrestling in a ring with um, so many talented athletes, um, how did the fans uh, take you when they see you coming into the ring? I hope they take me as I'm just there to have fun and I hope to put on a good show for them. hope they see me as an entertainer and a fighter. 
And that's pretty good. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you wrestle live one day myself and get a chance to meet you. I can't wait for you to come see me live at some point. Yeah, I definitely... Go ahead. I will. I'll def- definitely have to, you know, come and see you at Grindhouse or, you know, at, uh, Girl Fighting uh, Wrestling as well. Um, you know, I know Charlie Cruel pretty well, and she's been telling me, you know, great things about, you know, Grindhouse Pro and, you know, Girl Fight Wrestling. So I'll definitely have to come up uh, um see you uh, wrestle live. And who knows, maybe I'll come live and see you and Charlie get in the ring and tear each other up. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Exactly. And Billy, um, thank you so much for coming on my show. I know this was your uh, first time ever being on the podcast, and um, I hope you had a great time, and it was fun. Thank you so much. Sorry, yeah. I might have been all over the place, but and, I had fun. Oh, I'm glad you did. It, it was great to, you know, to hear your story, and um, I would love to share your story so more people can um, learn more about you and see you wrestle. And I'm looking forward to see uh, where you go in 2019 and many years to come. Thank you so much. Oh, anytime. And everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. Good night.